Welcome to yet another episode of our exploration of disruption and change here at Change Cultivators. Again, I'm Patrick Fitzmaurice, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Roz. Roz, hello to you. Hello, and Stephanie, we're looking forward to having you on the show. Thank you. Excellent. Yes, today we are really super excited to have Stephanie Stuckey with us. Stephanie is a one year into a journey of helping to kind of transform an iconic brand as its CEO. And it's really a fascinating journey that we're going to explore. We're also going to explore a little bit about Stephanie's fascinating personal journey, which has taken her from being a Miss Georgia cherry blossom pageant participant, all the way to being the chief resilience officer of the city of Atlanta, to now being the CEO of one of the iconic retailers in the United States. So Stephanie, welcome, welcome to you. And please just tell our listeners a little bit about you, a little bit about Stuckey's and give us a little context to the conversation we're about to have. Thank you, Patrick. And nothing like uh, posting yourself, your story on social media to reveal everything, including my crazy past as a Miss Georgia Cherry Blossom. I've gotten more feedback on that post. So big picture, I am CEO of Stuckey's, which is a family company founded by my grandfather in 1937 in Eastman, Georgia, as a pecan stand on the side of the road during the Depression. I know we have an international audience, so some listeners may not know the Stuckey's brand, and some younger demographic in the U.S. may not know the brand. So we went from those humble origins selling pecans to 370 stores at our peak throughout the United States. And we were a veritable roadside oasis. We sold pecans, of course, and candies, kitschy souvenirs. I don't know how much of this you can actually see, but I am surrounded by souvenirs right now because I'm working on our merch line. So we sell things like snow globes and shot glasses and ashtrays that look like a toilet that say, put your butts here. It's just classic roadside kitsch fun Americana, but I think it has international uh, flavor where no matter where you're from, you can appreciate the value of kind of a little bit of a tacky but fun souvenir. So we were really uh, synonymous with the Great American Road Trip in the 1970s. And then my grandfather sold the company we got bought out, the company that bought Stuckey's got bought out in a hostile takeover by Chicago Railroad Conglomerate and really lost what was special about the brand for decades. And the Great American Road Trip declined as well. My father got the company back in the mid-1980s. He had a bunch of other businesses going on. He was very successful and kept Stuckey's uh, going. He revived it. And then he retired 10 years ago and literally left Stuckey's being run by a skeleton crew, just a handful of people. And last year I did a complete career change and took on reviving the family's legacy and the family brand. And I did it mainly because I knew and loved my grandfather and I knew what this brand is capable of. And also I wanna revive the Great American Road Trip. I've connected with road trippers everywhere through my social media post. And the fun part is, all over the world, people enjoy a good road trip and they like taking kitschy stops and seeing what's on the back roads. That's fantastic. So, Stephanie, you and your, your dad, had, well, you, your dad and your grandfather had an exciting challenge yeah. uh, over the years in that you needed to keep your brand relevant over all these years, but at the same time, stay core to your values, which is always a challenge for a brand as times change, generations change. 
Uh, what would you say your biggest challenge of the past was in, in light of that? And looking forward, what do you think your biggest challenge is going to be uh, in terms of refreshing, but still keeping core to, to who you are and where you started? I think the biggest challenge for any company, especially one like ours that's been around for, we're getting up on 100 years, is there's constant external changes, environmental changes, competitive changes in the marketplace. So the biggest challenge is the ability to pivot and adapt. And even though I don't have a business background per se, I am an attorney by training. I think my background as chief resilience officer for the city of Atlanta is probably one of the best backgrounds for running a business that anyone can have. So the ability to pivot and adjust and react to changes is critical. And I can give just a few anecdotal examples that I think would be really uh, interesting and also informative to the listeners. One of the first challenges my grandfather faced, he had three stores, he was doing well when World War II hit and there was sugar rationing and he didn't, and our number one product was what we're known for the pecan log roll, but also pralines and fudge. And we were really known for our, our ability to produce sweets and candies and that supply was completely cut off. So he did several things. He sold to the troops, which not only supported our country, but also you got access to sugar if you were selling to the troops. And he had to change how he created his product because the troops wanted the product in boxes and we didn't box our candy at the time. So he suddenly started doing boxes and realized that was a whole new market for him. So after the war, he had these decorative boxes. So sometimes these changes that are really hard at the time you're going through them are actually amazing opportunities. Another thing he did, he was very scrappy and made do with a little. Another thing that was rationed was coconut. And we were known for our coconut patties. So he got corn husk and ground them up and flavored them with artificial coconut flavoring. This was before you had to put the nutritional label and the ingredient label on packaging. <laughs> and you can still do so, <laughs> Might not be able to do it today. I think the lesson learned is that be resourceful and make do with what you've got. His coconut patties were hugely successful. People would line up in the mornings around his stores to get his coconut patties. Uh, the other thing he did, not a moment of pride, but as you know, I put it all out there, including my past as a cherry blossom princess. He actually dealt with the mafia and bought black market sugar. He did not realize it at the time. He just knew he was getting a lot of of huge quantities of sugar from Cuba and Miami, via Miami. And uh, the FBI came knocking. He told everything he knew. He basically just said, I'm a candy maker, and they let him go. So those are examples of being resilient. Uh, I would say one other really critical example was during our early days, we were on the roads before the interstate even existed in our country. So President Eisenhower, 1952, I think, started the interstate highway system. Many, many of roadside establishments failed when that happened. My grandfather pivoted. He just changed his locations. He shut down shop. He built new stores on the interstate. The really clever thing he did was he started going to all the Department of Transportation hearings in every state. He would have people go for him and he would find out where the interstate was being built 
he would go to all the administrative hearings. And so he would know where the highway was coming. He also said he gave out a lot of free candy to people who worked in the highway system. (laughs) 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 Candy, right? And he would buy a bland where the highway was going. So smart, you know, it's just really trying to get ahead of the game and look for these trends and being smart about it and not being afraid to change because change, I posted this on LinkedIn today in anticipation of the show. And it's a quote you hear a lot. Change is inevitable. Growth is not. It's your choice, right? Do you want to embrace change and grow or do you want to stagnate? Yeah, and we had we had a guest not too long ago, Vince Thompson, who is another Atlanta runs Atlanta agency Melt, and Vince says a similar thing, right? Is really the mantra that he uses as agency. I want to circle back and kind of play on a couple of things you put out there um, because there's so much there. You know, you use the term that gets used a lot, which is pivot. Yep. And this notion of a business having to pivot, and it implies that a business has kind of looked at the things that are causing them to pivot and made a really good choice, right? As you as you kind of look at your role now and. A couple of minutes ago, you said you wanted to reinvent the Great American Road Trip, which is kind of an audacious goal, right? You, you, you've literally said, look, I run stores and I can run really good stores, but in order for me to really grow my business, I've got to revitalize this thing that was a key characteristic of human behavior that let me have great stores and do it. So that's a pretty big thing, right? So as you look at the marketplace how do you coach other lead? How do you do it? And how do you coach other leaders to kind of get rid of all of the stuff that doesn't require, like I, I can ignore that stuff. These are the key things I need to focus on. And these are where I need to make my pivots. Is there a way you look at kind of filtering out all of the rest of the noise and really focus on the core external disruptions that require you to pivot? So a couple of things and my method may not be the best, but it's served me throughout my various careers. I tend to take in a lot of inputs from a variety of sources. So I'm very open in where I get my information. It may be social media. It may be I read a lot of newspapers every morning online. I read trade publications. I follow trends. And I really listen to people. That's a lot of what my grandfather did. He would get in his car and he would travel to his stores and he would talk to customers. He would talk to franchisees. And that's I'm doing the same thing on this great road trip that I'm on across this country. And so I take in a lot of different feedback and, and my team, people work at Stuckey's and what's actually feasible. And then from that, I sort of hone in on what is my strategy? What is my core strategy? I've got my year-long strategy. Of course, you get a three-year plan or five-year plan, depending on how far out you like to go. Every year you adjust it. Every quarter you adjust it. And literally every morning I wake up and I got my to-do list, right? Studies show 80% of people who actually write down their goals every morning accomplish them. So that's what I do. And I try to make sure, like, is this on target? Is this advancing what we're trying to do? Uh, And it's all timing. Life is timing. The timing is right for the revival of the road trip. Airfare is, I mean, air, air travel with COVID, unfortunately, is a real challenge. And it's more expensive. It's more inconvenient. They can only put so many people per plane. And more people are doing, taking road trips and they're taking short road trips. And they're enjoying visiting places that are outside 
the typical big city destinations because of COVID and, and contamination concerns, right? So that's where Stuckey's is. The other advantage we have that's just market force driven, of course, there's Amazon out there and more and more people are, are buying online and we've upped our online game to adapt to that. But you cannot order up on Amazon, Jeff Bezos, a pullover to use the restroom. And you can't order up charging up your car with electricity or filling up with gas. You can't order up a snack when you're on the road. So we are uniquely suited. I like to call it roadside retail. Roadside retail is one of the few segments of retail that can continue to remain vibrant in an increasingly online economy and marketplace. So now is our time. And we need to seize it. And it's not just the stores, right? I'm trying to do everything we do. Like our, we, we sell our product to re retailers that are in, in cities as well. And so this is our point of sale box. It looks like a billboard. It's great. So all yeah. of our product line is centered around the road trip. So you don't have to necessarily get in your car and visit Stuckey's to experience a road trip. I'm trying to make sure that all of our, our products are reminiscent of Hey, I used to go on the road and I pulled over and bought a silly yeah. big pencil. You know, you can <laughs> buy that. So it's all about creating that sense of being on the road, whether you actually can get in the car and drive there or not. It's the mentality of the road trip, maybe not the actual road trip, but it's the feelings and the nostalgia and the thing you get out of this notion of being out on an open road, experiencing the world around yeah. you. Exactly. I love it. I love it. We can have wanderlust in our house. <laughs> <laughs> well, only if we have as many toys and props that you have in your office. I'm feeling way underwhelmed in my I'm office, sorry, and our listeners can't too. see that. But you have so many props. I've, I've got to up my prop game in my office. <laughs> Absolutely. That's one of the perks of being a Stucky is I get all sorts of free samples, and they're so much fun. And we are in the process of curating a whole road trip line of merchandise, We'll be rolling it out online slowly as we increase our revenue. And so we're going to make the road trip available to you. However, you can get there. If it's the cyber highway and you go online and buy it or go in one of our stores or go to your local Ace Hardware, for example, a lot of Aces sell our product. You can get Stucky's road trip in a variety of ways. Yeah, I love I love your thinking, which is repackaging that idea behind the road trip. And uh, yeah. my, my background is brand, so this is a topic I absolutely love. And I know you've uh, written on your your following of brands like Converse and Levi's, um, and you know I think those are very exciting turnarounds. And I'd love you to just talk to our listeners about what you felt was the success in those turnarounds. Because if I listen to you, you're saying I'm going to throw away a traditional thought and I'm going to create a new emotion for a consumer. You know, which is a road trip's not what a road trip used to be. Actually, a road trip's new. It's exciting. Like let's look at it in a different way. So chat to our listeners about, uh, you know, the Converse Levi story and what you felt those brands got right in their thinking and having to rethink traditional models to keep them relevant. Well, I think the one undercurrent that I saw in all the stories, and I wrote an op-ed recently on why everybody loves a comeback, and I highlighted Converse Levi's and Domino's Pizza, and they each have different stories, but the one theme you see throughout, and they were just the three I highlighted in the article. I spent 
a month researching and I constantly look at comeback brands, right? What did they do to come back? And I think the thread throughout all the stories I've read is the ability to keep going and adapt despite having tremendous challenges and most importantly, believe in your brand, believe in what you represent, really stand for something. And all those brands do that. So Levi's and Converse were similar in that they both uh, just repackaged themselves. So they stayed true to what they were, but they got really great marketing professionals to work with them. Converse is interesting because they're an example of where they got bought out by another corporation and were successful because Stuckey's had the exact opposite. Now, we got bought out by a corporation that didn't get us. We were bought out by a Chicago railroad conglomerate. They did not get our brand at all, and they, they trashed the brand. They're like Voldemort in my family. I will not even say the company's <laughs> name. They're so bad. But Converse got bought out by Nike, which you may think that's a competitor brand, but Nike actually understands this space. And it's not really a competitor because when I think Nike, I think sneakers I'm going to go exercise in. I have Nikes. I have Converse. I, live, I wear Converse to live in. Like, I'm wearing Converse almost every day. Even with dresses, I wear Converse. I love Converse. So the brands are compatible but not competing. Yeah. And so that's an example of Nike bought them, and they just put millions of dollars in this really hip, great ad campaign with Kurt Cobain and all these really edgy stars and introduce themselves to a whole new generation of customers who love that hip retro vibe. Levi's just invested in marketing. They didn't get bought out, but I like their, so they got pushed out because of the whole trend towards designer jeans and Levi's was not designer jeans. And what made them successful with their new marketing campaign is they didn't try to be something they weren't. Mm. They didn't try to be designer jeans. They said, we're Levi's. And so their ad campaign was, you may wear these other jeans, but you're going to live in Levi's. Yeah. Like Levi's is your comfort jean. Come back home to Levi's. Uh, and then Domino's just had uh, some pretty bad public relations issues with the quality of their product. And there were criticisms that they're, and they were accurate that their crust tasted like cardboard and their sauce tasted like to catch up and their CEOs just came out and said, and their management team and said, this hurts. <laughs> we hear you. It's painful for us, but we are going to change and listen to us. We're changing our recipe. We're responding. Your, your concerns are valid. We hear you and we're going to remake the brand. And they're phenomenally successful right now. I mean, COVID has actually helped them, right? More people are, ordering food and having it delivered. Mm. So those are just three examples, but I think they just believed in their brand and they refused to give up. Yeah. And listen to their customers. Absolutely. Listen to your customers. Every single Google review, every single Yelp review, every single online customer comment on the Stuckey's website goes directly into my inbox. Directly. Wow. I read them all. I answer them. I got a complaint on Saturday night Someone bit into a pecan log roll and said there was a piece of glass in there. And I was freaking out. And I knew exactly what it was because I've had an experience similar. Um, it's hardened salt called by, caused by humidity. So I wrote them this email like, 
check it out. I guarantee you it's hard and salt. We, we do not have glass anywhere in the facility, I promise. Send me the log roll. I'm personally apologizing and give me your address. I'm sending you a case of pecan log rolls. Like basically they've got a lifetime supply right now. And they wrote me the nicest letter back. And they were like, I can't believe you. The CEO wrote us and at night right. and responded directly to what the issue was and sent me product. Amazing. You know, that's what you got to do. It's an amazing leadership um, example. Um, and it's fascinating to me as I listen to you talk about other companies. We we talked to Paul Gardner um, uh, about the Mantis Collective, and you know he, he talks a lot about his dad, right, and, and who started the company, right, and it, and it it becomes the company so embodied in a person, and you know you have the Walmart example where still to this day there are people all over Northwest Arkansas who talk about Mr. Sam, right, Mr. Sam Walton, and you know you and I touched base quick, really quickly the other day on Chick Fil A and True and Kathy, right, like even to this day. It's it's that it's that personification of the brand that leads to authenticity. And so as you kind of jump to those other brands, a Domino's or a Levi's, which probably had that legacy all the way back 100 plus years ago, it's this notion of maintaining brand authenticity during times of disruption. And so I, I want to poke at that a little bit as you kind of think about it, because, again, you have this brand that has a very heavy as I hear you talk, founders mentality, right? It's back to your grandfather and your father and now you kind of maintaining a founder's legacy and making sure that the brand stays true, even though a lot of people could look at you and say, well, but you were about that old time and you don't have yeah. relevancy today. So dig in a little more if you can. And I, I don't know where this will go, but you know, that kind of authenticity of a legacy company, an iconic brand like Stuckey's, and how it kind of has to be massaged and worked through as you make it relevant for new consumers to engage them in the brand and drive growth. Like anything that you're struggling with in your strat plan, that's like, that's a big deal that we have to focus on that I think others can learn from. I struggle with everything in my strategic plan. In fact, it drives <laughs> my team crazy. I am constantly revising the strategic plan. I've quit labeling version one, version two, version 20, whatever. But but that's part of the process. As you get feedback, I mean, you have to stay true, obviously, to the core mission and beliefs and values. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the ability to listen to feedback that's helpful. I mean, not obviously every time somebody gives you a complaint or comment that you change your overall strategy, but you have to be able to take in criticism and feedback. Uh, I do want to just say a quick story about Truett Cathy, and then I'll talk about authenticity in times of crisis. Fun fact, my grandfather knew Truett Cathy, and he also knew Joe Rogers with Waffle House. They're all Georgia-based brands that were founded about the same time. And Truett Cathy actually came down to Eastman, Georgia, to my grandfather's candy plant, put on an apron, went in the, our test kitchen, and made a chicken sandwich, a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich, the boneless, you know, the classic sandwich for my grandfather and said, you should put these in all of your Stucky stores. And my, I'm sure you all know, my grandfather said, no. <laughs> <laughs> what was my dad told me that story, and I was like, I wish you hadn't told me that. So <laughs> I guess CEOs or anyone listening, like, Pay attention. You never know when there might be an idea that doesn't seem to quite fit and could be really something amazing. And oof, the road not taken on that one. Uh, so how do we remain authentic? I think it's just not only being true to your brand, but being true to yourself and maintaining that groundedness. 
and not taking yourself too seriously and not letting uh, criticism bring you down and not letting praise lift you up too much, right? Uh, So that's why I put out that I was Miss Georgia Cherry Blossom. And in part, it was response to a conversation I'd had with someone who said, well, maybe Stucky should look at having a real CEO. And I was like, ouch. (laughs) And I said, you know, part of it is building a team that has different skill sets. Right. I have really smart financial advisors that help balance out some of the gaps in my background. But I'm also getting up to speed on that because you have to. But I was a state representative for 14 years and had to work as part of the budget process to balance a multi-billion dollar state budget. And I was head of sustainability and resilience for city of Atlanta and had to balance our department team budget. I ran an environmental law firm successfully. So I know a thing or two about budgeting, but so response of that was, you know, my CEO path is not the typical CEO path. And I fully recognize that I have the last name Stucky, which uniquely suited me for CEO of this <laughs> company. But my my life's journey and my career trajectory has some really fun things in there that maybe more CEOs should have, like being Miss Georgia Cherry Blossom, because beauty queens know how to be graceful and charming. We all have a talent. You need a talent. We know how to wave because you got to know how to wave and upgrade. (laughs) Those are great skills to have. You know how to present yourself. You know how to stand. You know how to walk. You have to think quick on your feet. I was a litigator. I was a trial lawyer. So all of those are great skills to have. Maybe I didn't get learn them in business school, but business school, it might be kind of nice to have a charm class. Yeah. So, uh, Roz, real quick, before we move off of Miss Georgia <laughs> Cherry Blossom, we're, we're talking about this to our <laughs> listeners, and I would just kind of use this moment to encourage everybody, go look Stephanie up on LinkedIn and make sure you're connected with her and follow her. And there is actually a picture that accompanies this entire conversation we're having, and it's just awesome. And I, it's really, really yeah. cool to have this notion of the non-traditional CEO path, which brings so much of broader of a personal reference to the task at hand. So thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Grace and brains is a uh, dangerous combination, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Stephanie, I want to just circle back, uh, you know, to your um, Chick-fil-A example, you know, talking to your grandfather about, uh, you know, would you want to stock our chicken and, and missing that opportunity? And then you saying that you reply to every email in your company. And I can just hear CEOs going, how on earth do you have, how on earth does a CEO have time to do that? So give our listeners, particularly those in, you know, sort of CEO level, how do you balance that being on the ground, listening, you know, being that CEO that replies to every email and then also running the business? Because I think a lot would argue, well, I've got a business to run. I can't be involved in that level. And we've had this come through with quite a few of our interviews saying, if you're not on the ground, if you don't know your people, particularly now with this, you know, international crisis that's going on and things changing and emotions changing and staff changing and business changing, you're not going to be able to run your company going forward if you don't understand your customer and the people around you. But it is a balance because you need to report to your shareholders or whoever it is you're reporting to. And so the balance sheet's important, but it's this notion of this empathetic leadership and more personal leadership that's really going to take brands forward. So I'll be honest 
we are small and scrappy. So at this stage, I have the luxury of being able to have a personal approach. I'm not running a Fortune 500 billion dollar company. I'm not getting thousands of customer comments a day. So it's manageable. Uh, I am having trouble managing all the LinkedIn messages, by the way. So people are messaging (laughs) me. I'm doing my best. I've been getting about 200 plus LinkedIn messages a day. And so many of them are solicitations, which I tried to read through to get to my grandfather's example. He passed up Chick-fil-A. So I do try to scan them. I think as I grow in order to manage, and not I, as we, the company grows, our team grows, I will add to the team to have support in how to best manage all of the comments coming in. But right now it's pretty manageable. And I'm lucky I'm not getting a lot of complaints. I think that what's hard sometimes, you don't realize this necessarily, that people tend to go to the effort to register complaint. Yeah. But they don't often take the effort to give a compliment and say, this was a great store experience. So right now, the bulk of what I receive in my inbox are going to be complaints. And fortunately, it's not that many. So it is completely manageable. I hope it remains manageable because we're not overwhelmed with them. And so far, they've been ones that are pretty easy to tackle. Yeah. I, we, we talked about disruption before and, you know, even back to the, the founding of Stuckey's, right, which was started in the Great Depression. So a time of great disruption. Right. And then you mentioned a couple of things, the, the sugar rationing and you mentioned kind of the, the, the rollout of the interstate highway system in the U.S. and this decline of road trips and move towards flight. So you became CEO in November of last year, I think. Correct. Correct. So and for the for- first six months, I was still teaching law school. Oh, serious. So, so, I was so, part time. Wow. I had another career. You know, I was so, I was doing oh, other stuff. So that's even that's even better for my question, right? So for six months, <laughs> you're kind of transitioning into a CEO role, and then roughly about that time, uh, COVID hits, right? And so uh, an early CEO in tenure who's moving into role to kind of reposition this iconic brand and drive it forward, and then bam. One of the biggest disruptions in our personal lifetimes um, hits. So, what does this really mean for us? And you know, both Roz and I have lots of clients in the business, and you know, we were talking to a lot of folks at the time, and there was a little bit of paralysis, I would say, on a, some of our clients saying, like, "Oh my gosh, what should we do? Let's just kind of do." It. And we can't fill orders. We can't do this. We have all this disruption. So, you have now inherited a role. You've taken on the CEO role. COVID hits as you're coming out of your part-time transition. What did you do that our listeners can learn from? Yeah, so I'm going to focus on sort of big picture, what I think can really be lessons for everyone. LinkedIn actually has been an amazing community. And I think it's because of what's happening in the world. We can't go to conferences. We can't go to a lot of these networking receptions, which actually is really beneficial for small, scrappy brands like Stuckey's, even though we're a known brand to many people, we're, I, I joke, we're an 80-year-old startup. So for those of you out there with smaller brands or just starting out and entrepreneurs, nobody is going to these exclusive conferences or events that cost thousands of dollars, these VIP receptions where you have to sponsor at you know, a $2,000 level. Those are over. And all those people are on LinkedIn. So this is your moment. Grab it. 
get your name out there, get your business out there, because I don't know, hopefully Stuckies will be able to afford going to the $5,000 networking receptions. But right now, that's just not quite in our budget. So even though COVID was very isolating, I never felt alone because I immediately started getting out there on social media. The internet did not shut down. In fact, the internet increased tenfold, right? The companies that did well during COVID, not only were the ones that were related, obviously, to healthcare or had contactless engagement with the customers like a Domino's that offers delivery, but it was also the companies that were on the internet. So Amazon, obviously, is one. So we put a lot of time and energy and funds into revamping our website. Yeah, we're seeing a lot in our conversations with people. As Patrick says, there was this period of panic and a lull. But the more people we're talking to and engage with on the client side with the podcast, there's now this energy that's coming up, which is, hang on, yeah. the opportunities there, which is very indicative of, you know, world events like the war and the Great Depression and all these sort of things, people come out and this is really where the world makes its big changes, right? So I think yeah. that what you're saying is that that energy is, is we see starting to lift and new things are starting to happen. The, the, the industry, the marketplace, people, leadership, all these sort of things are starting to change in a positive way now. Yeah, you just rethink your strategy. So I pulled out our strategy, which we had just written because I'd just taken on Stuckey's. When I took on Stuckey's, like I said, for the last 10 years, we'd had a skeleton crew. We hadn't had a strategic plan since 2008. Wow. We hadn't really had a marketing budget since the 1970s. <laughs> Yet when I Googled Stuckey's, when I first started, I no, I Googled Pecan Log Roll. We were the third hit on Google, and we hadn't done any marketing in decades. So anyway, when COVID hit, I started looking at, all right, who's going to do well, Right. Hardware stores were doing really well. So put together a presentation that's geared towards ACE. We do so much better because we're small and scrappy. We're not going to be really as competitive with a Walmart or Lowe's or Home Depot. So like, what's your niche? What's your best opportunity? It's these small franchised operations. ACE hardwares are independently owned and franchised. So we just start, I did a deck whole pitch deck. I started going through LinkedIn. Who has Ace Hardwares? I started personally messaging them. Would love to sell you Stucky's product. We have a great product line for you. We uniquely fit with your customer base. And guess what? Their customer base is still going to Ace Hardwares because you're stuck at home and you're doing home improvement projects. So you just start thinking about, all right, where are people going now? The roads, people were traveling less, but truckers we're traveling even more. So I started reaching out to truckers. How can we help you? How can we advertise to you? Not the big trucker firms because we can't compete as much with the Freightliners. So I went to the independent truckers who have associations. I went to the female truckers association. Hey, I'm a CEO, female. I'd love to partner with y'all. So I sent them all Stucky snacks for the road. And we had a little partnership. And so they have like internal listservs and they started sharing and saying, we love Stuckies. They're giving us road snacks during COVID. And so you just kind of figure out like, where, where can I play under this new world order? And honestly, we didn't, we didn't sit there and lag. We're just like, okay, this is happening. <laughs> I was one of the first to say, this is happening. 
this is real. I think it's because I live in a city. I live in Atlanta and I was seeing the numbers and I, I was not uh, putting blinders on about the COVID situation. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's a fascinating time that you took the reins of the company, right? Because you had to deal with one of those life-changing um, external disruptions and then process it. And as I was taking notes, as you were talking, um, I actually think it's a benefit of a smaller company because you were very true to what you stood for and you knew who your core, core audiences were, right? Yeah, trucking is going to go up. I've got to go after truckers. There would be a lot of companies that say, so let me go get the big guys and get them lined up. And I said, you know, that's like pushing water uphill. Let's not do that. And that's not true to kind of the nature of our authentic brand. And so I, that anchor seems really, really strong for you. So I love, I love how you said that. We're small and scrappy, so we like to partner with other small and scrappy companies and people. And, you know, you know your space. You know, we're not Pilot. We're not Truck Stops of America. We're not Bucky's. People keep asking me, how are you going to compete with them? It's just like when I was in elected office for 14 years. When I was in elected office, they'd say, who's running against you? I would never say my competitor's name. And sorry, I did just say my some of our other people on the interstate <laughs> name or other businesses, but I would just say, I'm not here to talk about my competition. I'm here to talk about myself yeah. and my issues and why I'm, you know, what I stand for, why I want to be your state representative. Same with Stuckies. What is our niche? What is our special place? We need to own that. We're not a 20,000 foot right. Walmart on the road where you need a GPS to find your bathroom. They're so big. And we don't have 200 gas tanks out front. We're Stuckies. We're small. We're special. We're unique experience. We're different. We have our branded product line that we've been making since 1937. And so you just know what your strength is. You lead with it and you own that you're small and you're nimble. That's who we are. It's so fun to hear you talk about it. And I, I, I want to give you a chance to connect the dots because you you just set up my next question perfectly, right? I, I can kind of look at your personal narrative and say, you know, so, I, well, we've gone all the way back to pageants. So maybe I'll start there. You know, it's like pageants to politics to CEO, um, right? Is really what kind of what we've got. But so much of what we just touched on kind of threads who's defined you as a leader and your ability to kind of lead in times of change. So what kind of life lessons from pageants to politics to CEO were common across all of those, you know, as a state representative, as a chief resilience officer of a major American city, to now a leader of an iconic brand in the U.S.? What things have defined you personally as somebody who can make that pivot and have learned things that can apply and be transitioned from one area to another? I think the most important thing, especially when you're taking on a new endeavor, is to be willing to accept advice and support from others, recognizing that you're not going to know it all. And at the same time, have confidence and faith in what you do know and and own it and not, not be ashamed that maybe you don't have an MBA, but I have a JD. And I served on the banks and banking committee for 14 years. So I understand banking and finance pretty well. So boy, the second all those SBA programs came out, I was all over those. That definitely played to my skill set. I know how to read rules and regs. I know how to go cut through government red tape and make sure that we got our SBA loans. We went through a local community bank because they were a lot more nimble and able to take advantage of these programs than some of these large like Wells Fargo and Bank of America. They, they were just overwhelmed and couldn't manage it. So I think just really recognizing 
what is unique and special that you offer. And then also being willing to accept that there are gaps in what is your, you know, what are your strengths and surround yourself with people who are going to offer that to you. And I've always had a team approach and not to uh, get into gender stereotypes too much, but I do think women in general are consensus driven and more collaborative. I also think it has to do with being a middle child. So shout out to the middle kids. I think a lot of times, you know, they always say like family businesses tend to fall at the third generation. We're the generation that screws it up. And I I have confidence in, in this third generation because I was never the heir apparent. I never had a sense of entitlement. I was kid number, I'm number four of five kids from my father, number five of seven grandchildren from my grandfather. You know, there are three boys. They were always the ones that were going to be the heir apparent. It's not me. So. <laughs> so good. That's fantastic. Stephanie, you have been gracious and kind to our listeners by offering a little bit of promo to build a, bring a little bit of the authenticity of the Stuckey's brand to our listeners. And I think it's going to come down to solving the age-old question, pecan or pecan? Yeah, I get asked that a lot. And my grandfather, I like his answer. So I'm going to repeat what he would say. And it, it was depends on who's buying. And it depends on the price of the nut as well. So if he were trying to price it high and selling to what he called Yankees up north, he'd say pecan. And if he was down in South Georgia, where we're from, he'd say pecan. I tend to say pecan, but I go back and forth as well. But speaking of pecans, we have our signature product, which is pecan log rolls been making these for over 80 years and we have a gift tin of our two ounce snack size pecan log rolls available for one of your lucky listeners i'll provide you a link you can post that on your podcast notes and we'll keep it open until the end of november 2020 yeah i love it i love it stephanie as as i'm listening to you i just keep thinking of a unicorn because i think um, I'm so excited for the future of Stuckies. If I look at you, you know, we talk about the grace that you have, and I think your skill set of you know, your background in law and finance and brand, you know, you really are a leader that I think you know shows diversity in thinking, in skill sets, in experience. And I'm sure our leaders have picked up the our listeners, sorry, have picked up the energy and insight from you, you know, on this on this conversation today. So to everybody, watch the Stuckies brand, I have a great feeling that it is going sky high with this wonderful woman leading it. So thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thank you. I've got my unicorn mug, by the way. It's of, of, course you, of course you do. 